Can you uh, just turn to someone next to you and say, uh, you are a gift to me. Can you do that? You're a gift to me. And then can you say, uh, I'm so happy you're here today. Can you say that? Uh, I'm very happy uh, that I'm here and that you're here. I'm very happy today that uh, our former youth pastor, Daniel Kwok, and his new wife, uh, Clarissa, are here today. Can, can you guys stand up real quick? Let's stand up and give them a round of applause. Yes, they are here worshiping with us. Amazing. Uh, they're going to have a reception tonight here, uh, here at church at 6 p.m., so um, if you know them, then please do come out for that. That would be awesome. But they were um, married two days ago, um, and it's a really exciting thing for us. Uh, last weekend, last weekend, um, our former youth director, Kenneth Cook, got married to his new wife, Jenna Cook, and they are on their honeymoon right now, so they're not here, but that was two weeks ago. Very cool. About a month from now, a young man named Daniel Chang, who grew up in our youth ministry and who is now a youth pastor in Gainesville, Florida, will be getting married. That's really exciting. And then a week after that, another former youth pastor here named Pastor Albert Young will be getting married. That's four youth directors, youth pastors, people who served our youth. And then other people like Brian Min, who got me about the That's four in eight weeks. That's crazy. That's awesome. Um, on a side note, we are now accepting applications if you want to become a youth pastor here. Uh, just kidding. It's a good time for Josiah to be here. Amen? Uh, the times are good. It might seem like, oh my goodness, everyone and their grandma's getting married. Hopefully your grandmas have been married in order for you to have been born. But... Um, it might seem like that. It might seem like that. Oh, my goodness, all these people are getting married. But here's the reality. Can I tell you the reality here in America? In America, of all marriable, marriageable adults, only 50% of adults are married. Did you know that? 50%. A hundred years ago, say, so, uh, rewind a hundred years, hundred years ago, that number was 90%. So the times, they are a-changing. In 1956, okay, a long, long time ago, the average age of marriage for men was 23 years old. For women, it was about 20 and a half. Today, it's 29 for men and 27 for women. Again, the times are changing. It's a different world in which we live. There are more single people than ever before, at least here in America. And what that means is that the rules of engagement when it comes to singleness, dating, engagement, and sexuality, marriage, are completely changing. They're completely changing. A lot of reasons why there's so many more singles. One, I, I think for women, is uh, they're, they're pursuing their careers more, longer. They're educated in ways that they weren't 100 years ago, and so they're working longer and waiting to get married. Men are waiting longer to get married. For whatever reason, men wait long to get married, uh, but they're doing that. There's more divorces happening, so more single people who used to be married. There's people who are, instead of getting married, they're just living together. A lot of different things like this are happening that are causing there to be an increase in the number of single people 
here in America. And if we listen to a bunch of different people, then again, the reality is that it's going to be complicated. And it can be confusing when we try to listen to what we ought to do and how we ought to live as single people or as married people in America and in our world today. What I've been trying to do is to simplify this by saying it's really not that complicated as long as we listen to the voices that matter. And the voice that matters today when it comes to this issue is the voice of the Word of God. Amen? Because I'm not talking to single people in general, at least not today. I'm talking to single people who want to do this according to the Word of God. And why this is important is because we've got a lot of single people here. If you're single, can you raise your hand? Like you're not, I'm not married right now. Can you raise your hand? This is, this is therapeutic for your soul. Okay, so if you're not married, can you raise your hand? You can look around and say, oh, okay, I'm not alone. Uh, Okay. And if you're married, if you're married, can you raise your hand? Like, there's only two options here. Uh, you're single or you're married, okay? That's, you know, that's our reality, right? And so, as we think about this, um, the Word of God has some really important, really important things to say about issues surrounding these things. I want to read to us from 1 Corinthians chapter 7 today, and as we read this, this is important, um, as I was saying, because for single people, we're single. This, I mean, this obviously should have import and impact in your lives. But for those of us who are married, this is really important because we will be around single people, whether it's your own children, whether it's within your community, whether it's within our church. And a lot of times we've made singleness, especially within the church, to be something not to be embraced as a gift, but to be avoided almost like a disease. And we've, oh, you're single, oh my gosh, we've got to hurry up and get you the antidote. Quick, someone get him or her, a woman or a man, and get them the cure that's called marriage. And I want us to see that, at least in Scripture, uh, that's not the teaching that we see here. And I don't want us to be antithetical to the Word of God in our presumption that we think we know best for that single person in our lives. So I want to wrap our hearts around the Word of God and to build our community as married and single people around the clear teaching of Scripture as it comes to us from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm going to read verse 1 first, then read verses 7 through 9, and then read, read verses 25 through 35. Okay, this is God's Word. Now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to marry. Okay, jump down to verse 7. I wish that all men were as I am, meaning single. But each man has his own gift, either you're single or you're married. Your own gift from God, one has this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows I say, it's good for them to stay unmarried as I am. But if they cannot control themselves, meaning their passions, they should marry. For it's better to marry than to burn with passion. Now verse 25. Now about virgins... I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that's good for you to remain as you are. Are you married? Don't seek a divorce. Are you unmarried? Don't look for a wife. But if you do marry, you haven't sinned. If a virgin marries, she hasn't sinned. Here's his reasoning, though. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you this. What I mean, brothers that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none. We'll talk about that in a sec, what that means. Those who mourn 
as if they didn't, those who are happy as if they were not, those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep, those who use the uh, things of the world as if not engrossed in them, for this world in its present form is passing away. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord, but a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you. That you may live your life in a right, that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. This is God's word. I think a lot of this is pretty straightforward, but Paul is writing as a single man, and what he's not saying is, hey, I'm single and my life stinks. I'm single and, hey, um, I'm, I'm kind of second class, second rate, second best, second tier. I'm not like the elevated status of the married people. I'm just kind of like, he's not saying that. In fact, nobody's saying that. Nobody's saying, oh, poor Paul, he's single. He doesn't have anyone with whom to marry. <laughs> That's not what he's saying. No one's saying that, least of all Paul. Paul's not saying, hey, I feel bad. I, I pity myself because I don't. He's saying singleness is a gift, and it's so good that I wish everyone else was like me. That's what he's saying. He goes on and he says, hey, marriage is also a gift, and if you got it, that's cool. Don't stop it. Don't exchange it for the uh, gift that you don't have, but singleness is a gift. Now, I'm not, talking about, not, yeah, I'm not talking about the gift of celibacy here, the gift of singleness where some people who, for the sake of the kingdom, uh, because they, they, maybe they, they don't have the kind of struggles with their passions and they want to devote themselves to the kingdom of God, the gift of celibacy. I'm not talking about that um, because I just don't think that's where a lot of us may be. But talking about the gift, again, there's only two. You're either married, and that's your gift, or if you're not married, then you're single, that's your gift. He doesn't say in this, in this list here, there's a bunch of different gifts. He says, if you're married, your gift is marriage, and if you're not married, then your gift is, is, is your single. That's what he's saying, and he explains why these things are gifts. And so I, I just want to bring out two thoughts. First thought is this. Singleness is a gift that allows you to give undivided devotion to the Lord. Singleness is a gift that allows you to give your undivided devotion to the Lord. Um, he, he says in, in verse, uh, verse, thir- uh, verse 28 here, if you do marry, you haven't sinned. If a virgin marries, she hasn't sinned. But listen, but those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. In verse 33, it tells us what this is. A married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. In other words, if you ask a single person, hey, what what do you like about being single? They'll probably say, I don't have to think about anybody else. Whether they're a Christian or they're a non-Christian, the gift of singleness is you're single. You're by yourself, and you don't have to worry about the needs of other people. You can choose to do that if you want to, but hey, my time is my own. My money is my own. I I don't have to listen to anybody else, but as soon as you get married... This great gift that it is, and Paul hails it as a gift, but he also says it's an important thing. As soon as you get married, you are no longer single. (laughs) That's huge. Guys, as as soon as you get married, you're no longer single. And so you've got to think about another person. 
As soon as you get married, so two days ago, Pastor Daniel and Clarissa got married, and as soon as they crossed that magical line of matrimony when they said, I do, all of a sudden, guess what? Her problems became his, and his problems became hers. It's a great, I mean, the highs are high and amazing, but, at the, but the reality is that you're no longer thinking just for yourself. His student loans become her student loans, and, and when you get married, as soon as someone gets married, their problems become your problems in a whole new way. Their snoring issues are all of a sudden your snoring issues. The fact that they stink up their own toilet was their problem, but as soon as you get married, they're stinking up your toilet now. Everything changes when you get married. And Paul, that's part of why Paul says those who marry will face many troubles in this life. Okay, that's what he's talking about. You become, in many ways, a man of sorrows, as some would say. But this is your reality. Again, the joys are great and marriage is an amazing gift, but Paul is saying there's a gift in our singleness that married people will not have. And he says unless we understand this, then it's going to lead to a lot of bitterness and anger and despising the gift that God has for us. So what is it? Here, part of it is this. And, and, and this is simple. It doesn't, it doesn't take the Bible to explain this to us. When you're single, the discretionary time, that means the free time that's not devoted to your responsibilities, is exponentially larger than the discretionary time that married people have. It's just, I mean, it's a fact of life. The time that you have, that's why um, yesterday I, you know, I, was at, I was at a wedding. I came back yesterday, and as I was driving back from a meeting with, with Manny, I was talking. She was kind of debriefing her day, and she told me for whatever reason that um, this one auntie and uncle went to watch the end game yesterday. They went on a date, and they watched the Avengers end game. And I thought to myself, they must be the only people on the planet who have not yet seen the end game. Who are these people? And then I remembered Oh, it's because they're married. <laughs> they're married. They don't have time. Olivia is part of a Marvel movie-watching group, right, with single sisters from our church. And these people are like, hey, it's opening night. Shall we go watch it? No, I can't do that. Let me, uh, how about Friday night? How about Saturday night? How about Sunday night? And the whole time, Olivia's like, hey, uh, she says to me, hey, can you get out your schedule? I, I need to coordinate a time to go out with, the, with, the, with my uh, Marvel-watching group to watch the movie. And they're like what, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And they can go anytime they want, but because of Olivia, she's tied down by this thing called a husband and three little weights called children. She can't just get up and go because she's got these other responsibilities that she needs to tend to, and so she has to figure out when she can watch the end game and squeeze that into her schedule. It's different ball game when you get married. Single people, you have a disposable amount of time that married people don't have, and a lot of times we either don't get that or we squander that because we don't realize it for the gift that it is. And a lot of times we've become so narrow-sighted, short-sighted that we miss out on so much of the gift that this is. This weekend, uh, we're hanging out with some people, and the bunch of us were, not a bunch, but like maybe like eight to ten of us were sitting around uh, talking about Avengers, the endgame. But you can't, 
uh, give any spoilers because I'm the only person who hasn't watched and I never will watch it, but that's okay. So they're talking about it, and these folks are like, oh my gosh, I saw it on opening night. And the, another person's like, oh my gosh, I saw it on opening night also. Hey, I saw it two times. Oh my gosh, I saw it two times. I've seen it three times. I've seen it three times also. I saw it three times on opening weekend. I was like, what is wrong with you guys? Where do you get all? And then I realized again, they're all single. And they've got the time to do these things. Because when you're single, there's a gift of time that married people don't have. And there are things that you have, opportunities that are afforded to you. There are times where I, I, I wish, man, I don't wish I was single because I wouldn't trade Olivia or my kids for anything. But there are times where I long for the time that I used to have when I was single. I think all married people are like that. But, but Paul goes on and he says, let me tell you the reason why this is a gift, especially for those of us who follow Jesus. This is why, this is the gift of the season because if you don't understand the purpose of the gift, then you're gonna squander and miss out on it. He says in, in, in verse 32, he says, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. And then he says in, in, in verse 34, and his but his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit, but a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I'm not saying this for you. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Can I tell you something? Single people who one day want to be married, and even if you one day don't want to be married, here's the reason for the gift of your time right now is that you might live, it says in, in, in verse 35, in undivided devotion to the Lord. Because a lot of times we don't see this. And if we don't see the gift of the seasons and the time to live in undivided devotion as single people, then a lot of our relational stuff down the line is going to get out of kilter because this is where it begins. Sometimes when uh, single people come to me and they say, hey, you know what, I, I want to date somebody. I'm wondering if you could give me some advice. And, and we talk about it for a little bit. Almost all the time I'll tell them, hey, let's take some time to, to, to push pause a little bit and, and let's spend a season in praying about this. Why? I, I think in, there's a lot of reasons why. Are they the right one? Is this the right time? Am I the right person? Because within every married person, there is the ghost of a single person living inside of us. And the person that you are as a single person, if you're not living in undivided devotion to God as a single person, you're not going to lead or follow in undivided devotion to the Lord, your spouse. Right, that's the reality of this season for us guys. You've got to understand that this is a time for you to live in this kind of a devotion. I know uh, there's some young people, yeah, I, I don't mean to, to, to pick on Josiah here, but uh, we're talking about this on, on, on Wednesday, and he was saying, hey, you know what, I'm really, I really want to get married, first of all, yeah. But he also said, I'm really embracing this season of my singleness to really grow in my love and my devotion for Christ. And so I know maybe there's going to be a girl that, that likes him, but he's following an undivided devotion for Christ. This is what a guy named Michael Todd says. If you want to marry somebody who's running after Christ, 
right? And if you're running after Christ, if you're running after Christ and there's nobody running after Christ, you look to the left and the right and there's nobody, then it's not the right time for you to be in a relationship, right? And if you want to marry somebody who's running after Christ, then you need to run fast enough to catch up to them so that when they look to the left or the right, they see someone who's running as hard after Jesus as they are after you. Because this is the gift of this season that a lot of us don't get and we squander it. And the people who don't live in undivided devotion to Jesus as single people are the ones who are most discontent in their singlehood. Understand that. Right? That's what he's saying. How many times have you seen this, right? How many times have you seen this? Somebody, uh, they're not walking with Jesus they go to church maybe, but they're not in undivided devotion to Christ. They find another person who's not living in undivided devotion. They go to church maybe, and you think, wow, I don't, think, I don't believe that they ought to be together right now. At least not right now. They've got to grow more. They've got to seek Christ more. But here they go, and, and they start dating, and, and they get into a relationship, and, and they get married, and, and things happen. And, and all of a sudden, in time, they stop going to church. They stop going to house church. They have children. Children don't grow up going to church because the seeds were planted early on that they were not living and maximizing their single years to live in undivided devotion to Christ, and so it affects the generations to come. And when you looked at them when they were dating, you looked at them spitefully and with bitterness. Ha, I'm seeking Christ. They're not, but how come they're married? And then at the end of it all, when you see them no longer walking with Jesus, a question I want to ask to you is do you say, I told you so? Or does your heart break with compassion and love for their souls as they live out a destiny apart from Christ? Song of Songs says, don't awaken love until it's time. This is the season of singleness for you to grow in undivided devotion to Jesus. I long for these times before kids' birthday parties and kids' swimming lessons and kids' coding classes and kids needing rides to this and that where... As a single person, I, I, don't, you know, I, don't, I don't mean to say I did it right, but, man, there was a, a longing in my heart that just knew, that just knew, I just want to live in devotion to Christ. And so it, was, it wasn't hard for me to an hour and a half, two hours a day just praying and seeking God and living in devotion, my heart set apart for him. I knew that I wanted to give my best to God because I knew I wanted to give my best to whomever the Lord would bring into my life. Because there was a season for that, and there's a season that, 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 that shifts and it changes. And, and, and Paul says, hey, the reality is um, the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none. In other words, yeah, there's a gift of singleness, but I'm not excusing you married people from living in undivided devotion to Christ. Just because you don't have the time, then you got to make the time is what Paul is saying here. Because it's not going to be the same as it once was. Paul is saying there's a gift in your singleness that oftentimes we don't understand because we're so busy fixated on other things, on other relationships, because we're spending all of our time watching Endgame and watching Game of Thrones instead of spending time before the throne realizing that the end, all these things are just a bunch of games. And so we live this way. Our problems so often as single people, we've got too much time on our hands and not enough time before the throne of God. And then we wonder why our problems are happening when we get into relationships and we get into marriage. Because here's the deal. You read through scriptures and you will see a, a handful of passages, handful of books of the Bible that talk about marriage and romantic interests. Genesis and Ephesians and Corinthians and, uh, and, and some of the gospels, Song of Songs definitely talk about it. But the far greater 
scope of work in Scripture deals with our relationship with God before it deals with our romantic relationships. Why? Because our relationship with God is the most important relationship. Because that's what we've got to get right. Because when we get that right, then we'll get this kind of stuff right. But so many times, we think our romance is our ultimate. We think marriage is the ultimate. And so we put our relationship with God on the altar, and it ends up showing in the way that we live life. We become like the thirsty Samaritan woman in John 4 who's looking for love when all, of a sudden, all the time Jesus is saying, you need to find it here first in order that you would get these relationships right. And so many times we squander our singleness because we're looking for love and from a heart that is not satisfied and it's unsatisfied single people who will end up being an unsatisfied married people who will end up in unsatisfied marriages because marriage was never meant to be ultimate Christ and our relationship with him was. There's a gift in the season of singleness and the first gift in that is that with the discretionary time that you have, he says, live in undivided devotion to Christ. The first thing that we see. Second thing that we see uh, in verse 32 and following, second thing that we see is that this, uh, singleness is a gift that allows you to give undistracted service to the Lord. Two gifts of singleness, okay? Make it simple, that you would live in undivided devotion, right? You put your blinders on and you fix your eyes upon Jesus and you run towards him, not looking to the left or the right. And as you run towards Jesus, and all alongside of you will come people running towards Jesus. This is the Christian's gift of singleness, undivided devotion, and then an undistracted, unhindered, undivided service to, to the Lord. I don't know if you've ever um, been at a restaurant eating, place where you've got servers who come to your table, waiters or waitresses or whatever you call them. And you're eating, and you need a refill on coffee, you need a refill on water, whatever the drink is that you're drinking, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, uh, if you're like me, I can't, I can't eat if I don't have a full cup of whatever it is that I'm drinking. And so I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the person to come by. And, and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I also need uh, ketchup for my French fries and Tabasco sauce for my burger. And you're waiting. And so finally the server comes around. He's like, sorry, um, I had to clean up the spill over there. And says, can I, is there something that I, I can get you? I'd like a refill on water, please. And can I get some ketchup and some Tabasco sauce? He's like, sure, I'll, I'll get that right away. And he goes back to the kitchen, and he comes back, and he's got your water, and he brings your Tabasco sauce. And you're like, oh, hey, excuse me, um, I needed some ketchup also. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I totally forgot. I gave that to the wrong table. When he comes back, he gets it, and he brings it back to you. You ever been in a place like that, and you're like, man, how frustrating is that service? Because he's got so many different tables to wait on. Contrast that with a place here in Orlando called Victoria and Alberts. Anyone been to Victoria and Alberts? Oh my gosh, yeah. So Victoria and Alberts, this is what I read on the internet because I will never sniff the doorpost of that place. 180-day waiting list in order to get into that restaurant. And I don't think it's the food necessarily that is what makes it that great, but when you get to sit down at your table, you have two dedicated servers committed to you and you alone. Their names are Victoria and Albert, right? Every table has a Victoria and Albert. I don't think that's their real name, but you call them Victoria and Albert, I think. And hand and foot, they wait on you for the entirety of your meal. At your service, whatever you need, whatever you want, I'm ready to do it because you are the only one that I'm here to serve. Paul says this is the gift that you have 
if you're single. When you hear about less than 1% in Japan who bows the knee to Jesus Christ, man, does that not make you want to get on the next plane and get out there and go? God, you hear about a, a tsunami that devastates some land. Or you hear about an earthquake in, in, in Haiti. Don't you want, I got to do something. I got to get out there and go. But as a married person, I can't do that. But single people, what's stopping you from going? Nothing. Your job, you take vacation. You take unpaid leave so that you can go and get a bit. That's a gift that you have. The gift that you have is you can give undistracted, undivided, unhindered service to the kingdom of God and learn what it is to really make your life count for something bigger than a romantic love interest. That's the gift that God has given you in this season of life. Just don't squander your singleness. We have a single lady named, named Sarah Kim, and she said every year she asks herself when it's time for missions to come around, she doesn't ask like many of us, okay, God, I need you to tell me to go. She says, God has already told us to go, and if he says not to go, then I'm not going to go. My default is I'm going to go every summer that I can. That's the posture of what it means to say I'm undivided, undistracted in my service to the king. We're thinking about all of these other things. And again, because we live this way, misunderstanding the purpose of our singleness, we're discontent in our singleness, longing to be married because we're not living in undivided devotion in an undistracted service to the kingdom of God. And a lot of times as married people, I apologize that we have put that kind of burden on you as single people to make it seem like you're something other than the perfect person for the perfect season of life that you're in right now. We have another single lady named Min Sun Kim, and she serves our youth. She serves in a lot of different ways, but we had an adulting panel up here where hundreds of college students, singles from other places in, in our state came, and, and she said, yeah, you know, like, like most single people, I want to get married, but she said, because I'm not all of my time and the money that I have is not going to a boyfriend or to a significant other, but I'm giving that into the lives of young people, of youth students, so that they could know that they're loved and that they're valued and that they're cherished and that they matter. And I see in these two uh, single ladies uh, a, a picture of what it means to maximize your singleness for the glory of God. Because here's the sad reality. Can I tell you? Maybe I can speak to the men of God in here who are single. Philip Zimbardo wrote a book called The Demise of Men. He said by the age of 21, the average male has spent 10,000 hours playing video games. Twice as much time as it takes to get a college degree. And, and sometimes I wonder if the reason why men are getting married at 29 years old is because during those formative years when they should be pursuing undivided devotion and unhindered service to the Lord, they're responding to the call of duty. In a generation of godly single women are wondering where the men of God are as they run the race and they see them waylaid on the side of the road with their controllers in hand. Wow. Men of God. Could it be that the reason we're single is not so that we can watch more movies, but so that we can begin a movement 
this is a, who said this? Somebody, I forget who, someone smarter than me said, maybe the reason why there's an influx of single people in America is so that we could rise up, single, mobile, ready to go into the world to impact and to win the real battles because the world doesn't need heroes on joysticks. They need real heroes who will rise up and fight the real evils and ills of our day, of injustice, of racism, of prejudice, of the gates of hell that are fighting against the nations of the world. Could it be that the reason for our singleness is not simply to delay getting married, but because God has a purpose amongst the nations and in the world for us who can be mobilized at the drop of a hat, at the drop of news that comes across our feed that causes us to say, God, I want to go. I want to do something. I want to make the most of my life. I don't want to squander my singleness. I don't want to waste my time in, in all of these trivial things when there's a world. This is what he says. Okay, this is what he says in, uh, in, in chapter 9, verse in, in verse 29. It says, in chapter 7, verse 29, it says, what I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. Time is too short for us to be messing around with things that don't matter. So when you know that time is short, that's why he says, I, 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 from now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none. Live with that kind of urgency. Live with the urgency that you had when you were single to fight for the uh, for the glory of God amongst the nations, to fight for, for the rule and the reign of God amongst the places where darkness seems to be reigning. The time is short. When you know that the time is short, it changes the way that you live. The rules of the game change when you know the time is short. Did you see that? You see your biological clock ticking because, oh, I'm getting of age and I'm getting progressive. He's not, he's not saying the time is short to get married. He said the time is short in this world. And if you know that the time is short, it changes the way that we live, right? I was at a, a birthday party last weekend, and um, it was at Chuck E. Cheese. And at Chuck E. Cheese, old school, you had tokens that you put into the games, but now you don't have tokens. You have a card that you swipe. Right? And the card that you swipe at the party that I was at, at least, there were three kinds of cards. The first kind of card was given to each of the little kids at the party, and it was preloaded with 40 game points. So that you swipe it, and that's one point. You swipe it again, and it's another point. So you play your 40 points, and then your time, is, your, your time is done. There's another kind of card that the birthday girl got, and it was unlimited amount of games. That's crazy, right? So for as long as you're there, if you want to stay until they close, you can. You keep on swiping that thing, and you keep on playing games. Crazy. There's a third type of card that only one person got, and it was a 15-minute all-you-can-play card. <laughs> so from the first swipe, you got 15 minutes to play. Depending on which card you have, the way you play changes. You got your 40-point card, then you're just swiping the thing. You're looking around at the ones that mean the most, that give you the most tickets, the one you're best at, the one that looks most exciting, and you swipe it and you play 40 times, and then you're done. You get your tickets, and then you buy your, you know, you, 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 you trade in your tickets for that little Pez dispenser, that Tootsie Roll, or whatever it is that it's going to be broken tomorrow morning. So you, you do that thing with your 40-ticket 40, 40 point card thing. The, the girl who had the unlimited, she could just do whatever she wanted. She didn't care about the time. Just swipe this thing, play. Swipe that thing, play. Because she got all the time in the world to play. Swipe, swipe, play. Get your tickets. This is so fun. But the person who had the 15-minute card, they sat down and they strategized. 
They got three other people together and said, here's the deal, because 15 minutes begins at the first swipe. I'm going to swipe it, and I'm going to hand it off to you. You get it, you swipe it, and you hand it to the third person. They swipe it, give it to the next person. They swipe it, and they bring it back to the first person, and they keep on, because they know that once 15 minutes is done, it's all over. Because when you know that your time is limited, then the rules of the game change. And Paul is saying, time is short in the world that we have to live. Don't waste your life. And I say this as much to me and as to other married people as I say to singles, don't waste your life, guys. Let's not waste our lives. Let's not squander our singleness. Let's not waste our marriages. We were meant for so much more than to watch endless repeats of the end game. We were meant for more than to sit there and wonder about the next Game of Thrones episode. Again, if you want to do that, that's cool. You deal with it on your own conscience. But can I just, t- I just want to tell you what God's word says, that the time is short. We don't have all day. This world we're going to sing later is dying to know who he is. And at the end of it all, I don't want to say, God, I, 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 didn't, I didn't have the wherewithal to do it. Why not? What were you doing? Oh, because I was just, if there's some reason I give, man, let it be that I was doing something for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God, not just wasting my time because I longed for my comforts and my pleasures and my own desires to be satisfied. Paul is saying, listen, if you want to be content in your singleness, you have to understand the gift of singleness. It's not this holding period until, bam, oh, Mr. Right comes. A lot of times, Mr. Right isn't Mr. Right. He's just Mr. Right now, and he's the first thing that gives you attention, and we go for him. Saying a lot of times that's what we're waiting for. He says, don't waste it. Don't waste it. If you're not married, okay, I don't care. He, he, he doesn't distinguish engaged, dating, betrothed. He doesn't say that. He says, if you're not married, then you're single. Here's a gift of your singleness. Okay, here it is. Undivided devotion to Christ. Undistracted service to the kingdom of God. If that's your gift, at the end of it all, he says, I'm not saying, I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you but that you may live in a right way. In other words, what is he saying? Saying, when you embrace your gift of singleness right now, it's not saying, it's not about saying no. Saying no to marriage, no to a dude, no to a girl, no to sex, no to love, no to joy, no to dating, no to having somebody around my arms so I can take a picture at that next wedding we go to. He's not saying, it's not about saying no, it's about saying yes. It's about saying yes. It's about saying yes to loving Jesus. Yes to living life. Yes to not seeing my life in a holding pattern. Yes to giving everything that I am for the kingdom's cause. Yes to depopulating hell in my generation. Yes to seeing that the world is dying, that's dying to know Christ, would see him through my life. Yes to friendships. Yes to relationships. Yes to all of these things. At the end of the day, the gift of singleness, can I tell you, the gift of singleness is that you get more of Jesus. That's the gift. That's the gift of being single is that you get more of Jesus, more love for him, more devotion to him, more serving him. That's the, would you trade that? Why would you trade that for any lesser love in this life? 
Because when you say yes to Jesus, you say yes to his time, yes to his plan, yes to his purpose. And if the gift of marriage is one day a gift that is coming in your future, then it will come at a time that is perfect. But it comes through the hands of a God who's altogether lovely and beautiful and joyful. Jesus brings the good news of a Savior who was single but did not consider his singleness as something to be despised but as something to be embraced in order that the hope of the world might be seen through his life. Because the ultimate marriage is not the marriage that you and I have in this life. It's not about Olivia and me. It's not about Daniel and Clarissa. It's not about you and your bride. It's about Christ and his church, where one day every person, both married and single, will see him when he stands before his bride and he says, I do. And we realize that all the years of pain and all the years of longing will fade away in the light of his beauty and his love. For his people. What is a gift of singleness? It's a gift of giving undivided devotion to Christ and knowing that devotion. It's a gift of giving undistracted, unhindered, undivided service to the kingdom of God. What is a gift? <laughs> the gift of both singleness and marriage is that some way and in somehow we can see and we can get more of Jesus. And when we get him, we become the best married people we can be. We become the best single people that we can be. And if the Lord would call us single people to marriage, we become the best gift to our future spouse that we can be as well. It's more of Jesus, and it's worth it. Let's pray together. Let's uh, take a few moments to pray and to respond to the word of God that was spoken over our hearts this morning. It's not always uh, easy, but it's always beautiful. The kingdom of God has broken through barriers, reached new places through single men and women of God, people like Lydia in Scripture, people like Jeremiah the prophet, people like John the Baptist, people like Paul, people like Jesus, people like C.S. Lewis in our day who devoted himself to singlehood until the late 50s of his life in order that he would maximize his life and his calling for Christ. People like John Stott, who spent his entire life until he died in his 90s single, that his life might be devoted to Christ. This is the gift of God for us. Whether you're single, you're married, can we pray? Lord, I want to renew in my heart to you. Undivided devotion to you undistracted service to you. Lord, I want to live for you. I want to make the most of my life for the glory of God and for the hope of the nations through me. Let's pray for that. Just a couple moments right now. Can you do that? Jesus, help me to see that you're better than this momentary marriage, that you're better than the things that the world says I need to have. Jesus, would you be better? Help me to embrace the gift of the season in which I live now. Let's pray for that for a few moments, and we'll continue to worship the Lord.
Let's uh, continue to pray and just ask the Lord that he would search our hearts as we prepare to come to this table of God's grace. Let's ask the Lord that he would purify us in order that we could come to experience more of Jesus here at this table of grace. Let's confess any sins that we have, any shortcomings, any ways in which we've wandered from the Lord God. We've despised the gift that he's given to us of marriage or of singleness or of himself. Let's ask that he would have mercy and that he would cleanse us and turn our hearts around back to Jesus. Let's pray for that for a couple moments and then I'll pray for us. We'll continue to encounter the Lord through the sacrament, the Lord's Supper. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for giving us your word, for teaching us how to live and to navigate through these murky waters of singleness and marriage. Because our world tells us certain things, and our coworkers tell us certain things, and our classmates tell us certain things, and Instagram tells us certain things. And the movies tell us things about what we ought to be at this season of life and how we ought to live. And, and Father, so many times we have gone with the current of this world that has led us deeper and deeper in disappointment. But then we come to you and we find hope even for those who have failed and those who have messed up. We thank you that there is a gift whose name is Jesus, who is offered to every person, both single and married, those who've done it well and those who've failed miserably. And you offer yourself in grace unending and in grace amazing to your people today. We thank you so much that this is our inheritance because of the cross and because of your love for us. As we prepare to come to this sacrament, Lord, set our hearts apart for you. And for those who will not come to this table, may we be captivated again by the wonder of your love for us. We thank you so much. We love you. As you've loved us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name.